Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm solo tonight, which makes me very lonely. But you guys are keeping me company with your great questions. Uh, this is a another listener's question episode, and you guys send in the best questions. And if you're listening and you have questions about your cat, feel free to email them to me at molly at cattalkradio.com because I often do these listener question episodes where I read your questions and then answer them for you. So I'm going to get through as many as I can tonight. I'm going to start off with a with some questions, two questions actually from Cassie. Let's take her first question. She says, what does a cat's nose know? I've noticed that Duke's very interesting spelling. D-U-Q-U-E is her cat, Duke. Great name. And maybe I'm mispronouncing that. I'm sorry if I am, Cassie. But she says, I've noticed that Duke's nose is something, sometimes a bright pink and sometimes a pale rose. Why does it slightly change color? Is it the temperature or maybe his activity level? Well, you know, that's interesting about nose color. You know, there there are tiny little blood vessels running through a cat's nose. So most of the changes in color, especially when they go lighter, are related to the cat being cold because it's a an actually a reduction in blood flow. And, you know, noses can actually turn very white, you know, or a real pale color. Um, when it's pink and sometimes it'll go white and, and it can, doesn't always mean this, but it can mean that the cat has anemia or dehydration can also cause a really pale, pale colored nose. You know, feline leukemia cats have fewer red blood cells and they often have a white or a pale nose. And that can be an indicator of the disease. Now, it's certainly I don't think that's what's going on with your cat. He seems, you know, very healthy and it's just slight change in color. So it might be that he's a little chilly. Um, you know, and diabetes can also cause dehydration in cats and that causes pale noses. So there's a few reasons for you why cats' noses change colors. Her second question says, I listened to your episode about dental hygiene. What is your opinion on the anesthesia-free teeth cleanings? I knew a cat whisperer dentist who did this when I lived in Seattle, and I was wondering if that would be an alternative to the expensive, intense cat dental care you suggested. Well, you know, I have never done anesthesia-free dental cleanings on my cats, nor have I ever witnessed that procedure. <laughs> And, you know, I'm, I'm always in favor of, of putting the cat in, in the least stressful situation possible. But I'm also really not a big fan of, of myself or other creatures having to undergo 
anesthesia, general anesthesia, if you don't have to. But man, I, I, I just can't even visualize an anesthesia-free dental cleaning on cats, you know, actually getting the teeth as clean with the cat awake. You know, I'm, I'm also thinking that, you know, they've got to probably restrain the cat and maybe blocking the mouth open and that kind of thing so that, you know, somebody didn't get bit. But I, I just think that it all sounds very traumatic on the cat, probably more traumatic than them having to go through anesthesia. You know, it's a, it's a good question for, for a vet guest, actually. We'll, we'll ask our veterinarian. And in fact, we have another episode with him coming up, so I will add that to the to the list. But yeah, I, I've you know I've always wondered about that myself. I I really think it's more of a dog thing. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated that you found someone that's doing it. I just can't imagine. You know, they go in there like they do with our teeth, with with grinders and polishers and things like that. And I mean, you know, I know my cat wouldn't sit still for that. I don't know about yours, but. Pico would be out on something like that. So we'll dive into that one deeper. Those are great questions, Cassie. Thanks for, for emailing me. So here's another one from Allie. And what does Allie say here? She says, mm, she says, I'm a new blog fan of yours. I'm hooked. Oh, great, Allie. That's awesome. She says, I'm also a new cat mama. Well, welcome to cat mamahood. You will never go back. She says she's got an orange female tabby, four months old, who survived a horrible eye infection and respiratory infection, and now is as healthy as can be. Good job there, Allie, on getting her healthy. She says, my three little dogs love her as she does them. I have two Chinese, oh boy, created, so I'm not even sure how to say that. Those are the hairless dogs and a Yorkie mix, all six pounds. My cat's name is Smalls. She's a dream cat. That's funny. You know, my foster right now's name is Smalls, came came that way with the name. I certainly didn't name her that. She's She's got deformed front legs and the, anyway, one eye, but that that's a that's a topic for a different podcast, but her name is Smalls too, and I had never heard that before. She says, I have no complaints at all about Smalls. My question is, is it cruel to only have one cat in a house full of dogs? I've had people say she'd be happier with another cat. I'm a homeowner, but I think my limit is four animals. Is it possible to have cat play dates with other cat people I know? She is current on all her shots and she has been spayed. Well, those are good questions, Allie. You know, but as I often say, cats have evolved as a solitary species. So, you know, many cats do really, really good alone. But, you know, that being said, cats do crave social relationships, but not typically from other cats. Dogs, however, do have a social hierarchy, but cats really don't. So it is important when you have dogs to have multiple dogs. They're definitely happier when there's dog friends around, but that doesn't always apply to cats. But as long as Smalls is getting along with the dogs and they're not frightening her, and it doesn't sound like they are if they all love each other, this, this sounds like an ideal home as it is. 
you know, if you're going to introduce another cat, not, and it's not to say, you know, cats can't get along, clearly they do, but that introduction process is slow and methodical and, you know, it, you got to go carefully with that because the that solitary nature of the species, cats see other cats as territory invaders, but they don't see dogs that way. You know, they'll be afraid of a dog if the dog is really big or, you know, acting like a predator and trying to kill the cat and the cat's fearful of its safety. But it sounds like your six pound little dogs and her getting along just fine. So I'd say keep things status quo. Sounds like you're doing a really good job and you're already an excellent cat mama. So Allie, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend you change a thing, especially not bringing in another cat at this point. Okay, I have a very interesting question here from Sarah from Austria, actually. She says, you know, she had written to me before. She had a question about moving and moving with her cats, and I answered that. And she was following up, and she said, moving was much easier than expected. We were well prepared, thanks to your podcast about moving. And now our cat's relationship is getting better and a little closer every day. They even sleep near each other on the carpet. It warms my heart. I think it's because they are forced to spend time together inside. At our old place, they used to avoid each other. Probably because we totally messed up the introduction, which led to some tension between them. They're really different, and so they have to learn how the other cat thinks and relax and reacts. I've got one question on my mind since we moved. Would it be better to separate cats with no perfect relationship after or while moving? I didn't because we don't have enough rooms to set up two different security rooms. I also wondered if the cats give each other some form of security, even if they don't love each other. They know each other after all. So maybe they would handle the stress together? What do you think about that? Well, that's a very interesting question, Allie. And first of all, I mean, Sarah, sorry. <laughs> first of all, I'm so glad to hear that your move went well. I've, we just got through moving my parents closer to us. And um, that has been a lot of work in this last couple of weeks. So I know how moving goes. But, you know, separating cats is is not something you want to do as a preventative measure for them getting along because cats really live through their noses. You know, they recognize each other by scent. And when they're separated, their scent changes. And that may actually cause some unrecognition aggression when they're reunited. So it's really kind of like starting all over again if you separate them. And you got to go through that introduction process again. You know, cats learn to share spaces, and by that I mean your home, um, amicably by, by creating a community scent, which is really a layering of their individual odors and scents. And, and that makes an individual, unique community scent, and they, they live that makes them less stressed in their environment. And you see them doing that. They'll rub against the corners of their house, of the rooms or your legs or furniture, and the other cat will come along and rub also. They're layering scents that way. Same thing when they scratch because there's scent glands between their toes. So when they're scratching, 
they are actually leaving a trace of scent behind. And one cat will scratch on something and the other cat will come along and scratch on top of it. And that's that community scent creation. But when you separate them, you know, one cat's scent is becoming more dominant in the common spaces, which really can lead to some territorial aggression. I, I only really recommend separating cats when there's been aggression between them, you know, but then doing a slow reintroduction process because you really don't want to have that unrecognized aggression when you reunite them because they've smelled different because they've been living in different rooms apart. So it sounds like you've done perfect and you didn't separate them and that was the absolute right thing to do. So good job and congratulations on the move. And it sounds like they're also getting along better together and that's good news too. So I have a very, this will be my last, last listener question for this episode. And this is a very interesting question. This is something I hadn't really heard before. And this is from Janie in Calgary. She says, a friend of mine was told by her vet that her cat got E. coli from sitting in the litter box while eliminating. Have you heard that before? Do you know of a litter material that would help mitigate that? I can't imagine one that would work for such a thing. And no, her cat is not on a raw diet. Her cat is 14 years old and has just got over kidney or bladder stones and an infection. The E. coli immediately followed. Could there have been some transfer from something else? Very, very interesting question, Janie. And it, and it, I don't know, it sounds like kind of a strange diagnosis to me. Again, I'm, I'm not a vet, but, um, I've not heard of cats getting E. coli from sitting in the litter pan while eliminating, but I suppose that's possible. I mean, the the E. coli would be coming from the feces more likely, and she'd have to be getting that feces on her fur and then licking it off, ingesting it, right? Because, I mean, that that's how the how you get E. coli from litter box things. I know that's nasty. Sorry. Hope nobody's eating dinner while they're listening to this episode. But but you're right. There's no substrate that I can think of or litter material that would stop the ingestion, you know, if they were licking their fur afterwards, nor kill E. coli on contact that would be safe for the cat. So some other things, you know, that come to mind that you might consider here, if the cat's long-haired, she might consider shaving the back end to keep the feces from getting on the hair if, if that's what might be happening. And she should absolutely keep that litter box sparkling clean. I mean, scoop after every time she goes. You know, they only poop once or twice a day, so um, that shouldn't be difficult. But you want to you wanna make sure it's absolutely pristine, clean in there. And keep the litter a little bit on the deep side in this case. Normally, I recommend about two inches of litter, but in this case, maybe three to four inches so that there's plenty of litter to cover up the feces with once she's done going. And make sure that that box is huge so she's not stepping on soiled areas ever, right? And it doesn't have to be a litter box. It can be a 
you know, one of those low-sided under-the-bed storage boxes, just run down to the dollar store and grab something that looks like it would be appropriate. And she might try just putting a piddle pad in the litter box also. That might help the cat not to squat so much. And then, you know, if the cat's 14, and I'm and I'm just guessing and visualizing here, but they, you know, they say 90% of cats over the age of 10 have arthritis. So I would definitely recommend a, a supplement for arthritis because if the squatting position is painful, maybe the cat is sitting instead of squatting because it's hurting her to, you know, to hold herself up with those those back legs. So definitely ask ask her vet for some arthritis pain meds or some gabapentin or whatever the vet recommends and see if that might help the cat to be in more of a a standing or full squat position rather than sitting so low in the pan. You know, E. coli can also come from contaminated water as well, not just raw food and and feces. So make sure that that water bowl is sparkling clean. She's going to want to scrub that water bowl and replace the water daily. You know, I, I actually replace the bowl. I put the bowl in the dishwasher and bring out another bowl. I've got a whole set of them I circulate through so that they stay really, really clean water. And, and of course, E. coli can come from raw foods of many kinds. You know, it's not just raw cat food, but if you're preparing raw chicken or eggs or other kind of meat on the counters, make sure that all that is super clean before the cat walks on them. Because if the cat walks on the counters and then licks its feet and it's got E. coli from, you know, raw chicken having been on the counters, then that's also where it could come from. So I don't know, that's a fascinating question. And I appreciate you asking it because it made me think. I had to really think about that one. So I uh, I appreciate you challenging me on that. Um, I've not, not heard that one before. Great, great questions today, actually. Very great questions. Thank you for sending them in. And again, anybody out there who has questions like this, random questions, just shoot them to me, molly at cattalkradio.com. And also shoot on over to our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org and take a tool around our store. We've got lots of great products for your cat and all of that money goes to benefit our nonprofit. This is a complete nonprofit. And if you'd like to help support our cause of primarily keeping cats out of the shelter, you can add a little donation to your cart. In fact, it's free shipping over $49. So if you buy $35 worth of stuff, just do a little $15 donation in there and get your shipping for free. We would very much appreciate your help. And next week, we've got a big surprise for you. Not only will Dewey be returning to the show, but three of our grandchildren are going to be on the show asking their burning questions about cats. And then we're going to also give them a cat quiz. So be sure to tune in next week. We've got fun things on the way. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. 
In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 